salvation.
Number 65. Hope of my heart. Schultz, 
brother, identical twin with us? Yeah. Is this one of your last Sundays and you have to return to that beloved? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Well, well maybe we'll see you back then. Yes. Yeah, maybe permanently, huh? Or not? No, no, that would never happen. They're all friends, but I can't handle the cold. Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> I heard word that global warming is supposed to be coming in. Yeah. Not quite so, as so bad as coming in. And say, Paul, I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little later in the service, would you give us kind of an update on your congregation? Were you disaffiliating in the process of um, um, our uh, administrative board set up a bunch of roadblocks, and we had like several votes before we even got the vote on disaffiliation, and we they required a two-thirds vote on uh, pre-disaffiliation vote, and we didn't make the two-thirds, so then they didn't give us a chance to even vote on disaffiliation. So what our finally disaffiliated ourselves and are making uh, so our numerous so, more so, hurdles. Yeah. So our congregation, our con uh, a bunch of us who supported disaffiliation, uh, uh, left the church and are meeting in a uh, fire hall. Right. Well, thank you. So we're having church services there. We're having Sunday school there. And we'll see where that goes. Father, we just come in Jesus' name and we pray for this difficult situation and transition in so many churches that want to be more faithful to scripture and tradition, reason, and experience. We thank you for this brother who's been worshiping with us and he went on the internet and Facebook and he found that we were disaffiliating and he's joining us today because of one of those reasons of disaffiliation and we want to be... Um, very faithful to the scriptures, faithful for tradition, and faithful for reason and experience. We turn this worship service over to you, Lord. Our hearts are mourning for the Standel family as we prepare for Betty's funeral at Hillside this coming Wednesday. We pray, Father, that you'd be with Ed and, and his siblings as they, they're grieving the death of their mother. We ask you for others as, as <coughs> Kathy and entire house family is, is dealing with some troubling news. We pray, Father, that you'd be with Gary and Chandler and, and the girls, and especially with Kathy and Gary. We give this service over to you as we dedicate these next few numbers in memory of Betty Standall and, and, and the great contributions of the Rouse family. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Our opening hymn, and we welcome all those by way of television and radio and YouTube and Facebook and all the means of communication that we can communicate to our prisons and to our nursing homes and, and to those that are shut-ins and unable to worship with us. All hail the power of Jesus' name, birthdays of Reed Gross and Carol Edmonds and George Groves, Purple Hymnal 154, verses 1 through 2, 4 and 5, please.
praise the number 99 when I have when I have when I in heaven but you Father, we just want to thank you for the logistical hur hurdles that we are, are facing. We do pray for Jay Hop, Twin Cities House of Prayer, that shares the church here, and we've uh, moved from a tenant status to a, a renter status. And we we pray for the gathering, Lord, as they're preparing in the other larger facility of our church. And we thank you, Lord, for their, their, the truism that each one reaches one. And in between Sundays and Sundays, they are always challenged. There's a, a weekly challenge that, that everybody invite one or leave a very purposeful, intentional life of just inviting to church. And we can learn from this younger group of millennials that we... We are excited about our children, we're excited about our grandchildren, and maybe great-grandchildren, but we should be equally as excited about inviting people to church and to Christ for our Lord and Savior's sake. We thank you for those who are celebrating anniversaries and birthdays this coming week. We are called to be a part of the body of Christ, and we remember these pivotal turning points in their lives. 
We thank you for our Sunday school class. We thank you for new faces in our Sunday school class and in our worship service. We pray, Father, that you'd be with the Standle family, as I've spoken a number of times to Ed Standle, and, and he's grieving, but he he realizes that it was time for his mom to go to be with the Lord, and that to be absent from the body is to be present at home with the Lord. And the challenges that, that the Krause family is experiencing as Kathy comes home and and hospice care and, and the tremendous financial challenges that they have experienced at the hospital and, and the challenges of health care at home. We're all entering to, into those very precarious times as the baby boomers that were born between 46 and 64, the years that now are encountering retirement and, and death and and we, we pray, Father, for a gentle breathing upon their lives. If they, if they haven't committed their lives to Christ, they would certainly take seriously this pro prospect of, of the second coming of Christ or, or their meeting Christ. We know that there's appointed unto man death. There's appointments that, that we cannot run from. Just as there are appointments of death, taxes, there's appointments of changes. And help us to adjust and adapt to those changes. Help us to be encouraging to the new congregations that are worshiping here. And we are standing not only on the promises, but standing on the premises of sharing this holy ground that's been holy for so many years. And mark the livelihoods of so many saints that have gone through the Sunday schools and the worship weddings and the baptisms and the funerals that have happened at all of it. And as we make that transition from all of it, United Methodist to all of it, Community Church, you've called us into a mission of being faithful to scripture, faithful to tradition, reason and experience. And we, as we reach out this morning, we, we reach out in the spirit of prayer as you've taught us to pray. Praying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you have your Bibles, by way of television or radio or YouTube or Facebook or other means of communication, we always encourage you to follow along in the scripture. And our scripture reading this morning is taken from John, John 11th chapter, verses 30 through 37. So reading now from God's word, to John 11th chapter, verses 30 through 37. Now, certainly now is a time, but now Jesus was was not yet come into the town. Imagine him on the outskirts of Robinsdale or so. But was in that place where Martha met him. They were kind of in a transitional period. And the Jews then, which were with her in the house and were comforting her, 
When they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed by her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Imagine the setting. Then when Mary was, was come where Jesus was and saw Jesus, she fell down. She fell down at Jesus' feet, saying unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother, my brother had not died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, say it with me, weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he, he groaned in the spirit, and he was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Probably a verse of scripture that's been memorized more than, than any other is John Chapter 11, verse 35. Say it with me. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Then Jesus said to the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, this man Jesus, who opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Now I'd like to call on Robin... Robin's been very gracious to fill in for Mike. It was just kind of a tug of war this past week on who was going to be around and who was going to be willing. And there's never really a... Um, I always feel I'm kind of caught in a triad. And I just kind of turn it over to them, and they make the decision when they're going to be here or not. Robin, please. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Today's day sermon is on John Yohan. 11, 32 to 37. In verse 32, we're seeing Miriam coming to where Yeshua Jesus is and so that he saying to him, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would have lived. This verse uh, to me is asking the question, how many of us have said, why hasn't the Lord done anything in the situation I'm in? Anyone? Okay, a few of you in the audience. We as humans want things now, which in the 21st century is known as the two-click mouse. And when Elohim says, wait, like he is doing to Miriam, we're like, man, we can't handle this. We want to know. In verse 33, when Yeshua therefore saw her weeping, and the Hurdians weeping who came with her and groaned in spirit was troubled. Looking at this verse as a human perspective, we see that Miriam is troubled. The result in right now is of death. How many of you have been in troubling situations where you are going to be okay saying, okay, now what? And Miriam, in her spirit, from this verse, we see she's troubled. But God, Elohim Adonai, in verse 35, Yeshua is asking, where is Lazarus? And she told the Lord, Adonai, come and see. We see right here where the Lord Adonai is ascending from him, we see in verse 35, Yeshua wept, which is the shortest verse in any of the scriptures. Lazarus was a very close friend. In verse 36, the Yehudian students therefore said, see how much affection he had for him. This verse is showing me that even through the Lord Adonai, Elohim God, we are also seeing the human side of him. Some may ask, since he is Elohim Adonai God, why didn't he do something right there? 
when he wept, he was showing us that as humans, we do have, do have emotions. And verse 37, some of them said, couldn't this man open the eyes of the blind, have also kept this man from dying? This verse we're seeing the people question, well, why is he leaving? How many of you have been in that situation where you felt like the Lord's not answering or showing you anything and you're asking and asking, what's next? Why don't you answer me? I'm feeling that right now. We are seeing in these verses, yes, the Lord our denying Yahweh does answer, but in his time, not in our time, or what I would call the 21st century, we want things now two clicks of a mouse. The Lord Adonai has shown Miriam, wait, I'm not done yet. She might have felt along with the others saying, hey, Lord Adonai, heal the blind on the spot. He healed the leopard on the spot. Why not this what's he waiting for? We see later in several verses that he does answer, but he is doing not yet. When he answers, he answers in a mighty way. How many of you have said, Lord, I've been asking for days, months, years, and you feel he's out of mind, the Lord's not answering you or listening to you, but all of a sudden he shows up at the perfect time where he sees fit. Sometimes we as humans want it now, but the Lord out of mind, answers us in ways that is not perfect on our standards. He may be testing your faith and then come through. I challenge you, church, I challenge you in the online as well, that I would like for you guys to write down situations where you have felt the Lord has not been answering you, and then the right time, He shows up and answers. We'd love to hear from you through email, through phone calls. We'd love to hear from you online. So this is, this is, this is physical congregation participation, online congregation participation, and our CCX members' um, participation as well. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, thank you. A lot of times I do services at your homes in the afternoon. I'll, um, just before I preach, I'll have a word of prayer too. And, and if there are wheelchairs or people that are unable to stand, I ask them just to kind of hold their hands up in prayer. But for you who are able to stand, if you would just stand now and have a word of prayer, and if you're unable to stand, just take your few hands and kind of lift them up and burn. Father, we lift up now the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips. May they be acceptable unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. I not only want to thank, you may be seated, I not only want to thank, I not only want to thank Robin for her message and all of her background work, but for making sure that Joan got here today. I thought you were going to volunteer to preach. I think you were going to guy, unseen force behind so many things is that Gary Gross. I mean, his, his mother and brothers and families are so proud of him. There's not many passages of Scripture in the New Testament that are more wonderful and have had more reference to than the, the, this very simple narrative and this conversation that were going on in just eight verses, eight verses of scripture. They've been utilized in many sermons at, at funerals, and it brings out in a most beautiful light, and if you're following along in the outline, that, that first fill-in is light, because we are all looking for light. 
we're living in a, a very divisive world now. It's a world of light. It's, it's not so much one political party against another political party, but it's a, it's a, it's a warfare between light and darkness, between righteousness and unrighteousness. It's a struggle between what's biblical and what's not biblical. And a struggle between those who are faithful to the word of God and those who feel that they should be more faithful to culture. That culture is above Christ rather than Christ above a culture. And there's something very sympathizing here, which is revealed in the character of Jesus Christ. It shows us Jesus who is able able to save to the uttermost all those who come to God by faith in, in Him, uh, as are able to feel as He is to save. We feel the promptings of God's Holy Spirit. We should, we should act on those promptings. It shows us Jesus who is, who is one with the Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Maker, the Maker of all things. We sometimes forget that He's a sovereign God. He's sovereign over all. And he enters into this human drama of, of sorrows and conflict. And, and Jesus himself is one who sheds human tears. There's an authentic divine nature of Jesus. And then there's an authentic human nature of God. And we learn from one thing in these verses how great a blessing. How great a blessing God sometimes bestows on actions of kindness and sympathy. I wear a hat that that reminds not only me but others to be kind. Um, there's the Hopkins, um, Hopkins um, mayor who a number of times I've been asked to speak at various memorial services and she speaks. And, and she always ends up with a challenge to the people that if you have a choice between being right and a choice being kind. In her words, you need to choose the word kind, being kind. We've encountered a culture that's so entrenched in certain positions of life that it's, kindness is almost the last virtue because we all seek to be right. It seems that the, the house of Mary and Martha at Bethany was, was filled with mourners. Have you ever been gathered at funerals? There's a, almost a hostility that's going on between life and death. We want to focus on resurrection. We want to focus on life. We want to focus that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And many of these mourners in this biblical episode of life here, no doubt knew nothing of the inner life of these holy women. They knew nothing about their faith. They knew nothing about their hope. They knew nothing of their relationship with Christ. Their discipleship were things of which they were wholly ignorant of. But they felt for them in their heavy bereavement. They were there to extend themselves and kindly came to offer what comfort they could. In many of the churches I've served, I've challenged people to always represent the church by going to funerals. Many times um, people would go to complete strangers. And 
they make a contribution a memorial. If you've ever had a stranger come to a loved one's funeral of yours, you're probably more surprised by a stranger than you are those whom you expected to be there. So we, we can reach out in many ways by being, being wholly cognizant of the importance of trying to share the grief among those who are experiencing grief. But they felt for them in their heavy bereavement, and they, they kindly came to offer what comfort they could. By doing so, they reaped their very rich and unexpected reward. They beheld the greatest miracle that Jesus ever wrought. They were eyewitnesses. Can you imagine the eyewitnesses when Lazarus came forth from the tomb? Tremendous. To many of them, we may well believe that they, that at that moment, they experienced a spiritual birth, a spiritual resurrection of hope and birth in Christ. How small sometimes are the things hinges, the, the hinges that, that bring us to Christ and lead us to a more of a faithful relationship to Scripture and, and tradition and reason and experience on which eternal life appears to depend. If these people had not sympathized, they had not sympathized, they might never have been saved. We need not, not doubt, and doubt is an important part of that outline in my sermon today. We need not doubt that these things were written. They were written for our learning. You've come here to worship, you leave to share. You've come here with your tank, your mind, body, soul, and spirit. You've come to be renewed. You've come to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To show sympathy and kindness to the sorrowful is good for our own souls, whether we know it or not. I'm struck just this past week as I dealt with a couple of families that were going through the grief and the loss of loved ones, and especially the last few days going Betty Standle's arrangement with Ed and Barb Standle. And how Ed would say, oh, you know, maybe live to be about 95, and she won't have many not many people have turned out and you know but, but we want to have some some memorial ser service for and I'm always struck by the faithfulness of those who um, do, to, do turn out to share their sympathies and their thoughts to show sympathy and kindness to the sorrowful is good for our own souls whether we know it or not I can't tell you the, the importance it was when Darwin and Marilyn and Gary and Kathy came up to my father's funeral and how so many people in Eagle Bend, they, they knew me, they knew my family, and they didn't know the, these strangers from the cities. And, and they said, wow, they came all the way from the cities. You must touch their lives. And, and I would say they probably never met my father, but they wanted to share in the grief. And that's something that I could never thank them enough and I'll never, ever forget. We need not doubt that these things were, were written for our learning and our instruction and our growth. To show sympathy and kindness to the sorrowful is good for our own souls, whether we know it or not. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, to weep with them that weep, to try to bear one another's burdens and lighten one another's sorrows and cares. And this will be make an atonement. And this will make 
atonement on earth, but not an atonement for our sins, because we know it's only the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was broken, and his blood that was shed that can make that eternal atonement and will take us to heaven. It's a healthy employment, though, for our hearts, and employment for which none ought to despise. We should not despise the importance of our relationships to one another. Few perhaps are aware that one secret of being miserable, being miserable is to live only for ourselves. The consumption of our own troubles and our own worries and our own psychosomatic problems can overwhelm us and affect our minds and our bodies and our souls and our spirits. Few perhaps are aware that one secret of being miserable is to help others. And as we help others, we, we help ourselves. It's a biblical principle that as we minister unto others, we will minister unto ourselves. This secret of being happy is to try to make others happy and to do a little good in the world. When I was on a somewhat staff for Northland Mental Health and Itasca County for Grand Rapids as a, a therapist. I would always encourage my clients to visit nursing homes, to even go to funerals. And I knew that when they would go to a funeral, they would be grateful to not only help others, but they would be grateful for the fact that they're still walking this earth. And, and when I encouraged them to, to go to nursing homes and and I found out that the reciprocal effect was that as he visited people at nursing homes, they began to realize that they did not have the problems that, that they had in the seriousness of not being able to hear correctly or maybe see or losing one's mobility. We suddenly become more grateful for the things that we have once we see others that are less fortunate than ourselves. It's not, it's not for nothing that these words were written by Solomon. Solomon, which was accredited to be one of the wisest men on earth, he wrote, It's better to go to the house of mourning. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. It's better to go to the house of mourning, where bereavement has occurred, than to the house of feasting and celebration. In the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2 and 4. The saying of our Lord is too much overlooked. Whosoever, Jesus said, whosoever, and you could put your name in there. You could put your name in there in the whosoever's. Whosoever shall give to drink to one of those little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily I say unto you, they shall in no wise lose their reward. If you want to be rewarded, go to those funerals, go to those nursing homes, go to those care centers, visit those. I don't know how many times Janet Peterson has asked me how, how are things going at all event. And then their second question is, who's coming to all event? She hasn't asked me yet who is, who's planning on coming and visit me. We struggled this morning because... You know, our offices are kind of in transition, and, and we've tried to come up with a, a sympathy card to circulate for the Standall family. 
if anybody has his card that would circulate, otherwise we'll make sure that they're in the bulletin next Sunday and send them a bulletin. But the friends of Martha and the friends of Mary found that promise wonderfully, wonderfully verified. An age, you and I live in an age of being in between. We're in between something that has happened and something that may yet occur. We're in an age of peculiar selfishness and self-indulgence. It would be well if we could be more imitators. Imitators of those like the Marthas and the Marys and the Jesuses who came and, and wept. We learn for another thing what a depth of tender sympathy there is in Christ's heart towards his people. We, we read that when our Lord saw Mary weeping and the Jews also weeping with her and in that particular time, in that particular age, they paid people, complete strangers, to come in and be professional mourners. They mourned oftentimes for three days and the professional lamenters or mourners would continually almost become hoarse in their laments and their, their weeping. When our Lord saw Mary weeping and the Jews also weeping with her, it's, the scripture says that Jesus groaned, groaned in the spirit. And Jesus was greatly troubled. How many times have we, it's been said of us that we could groaned in the spirit, groaned in the grief that, that others have experienced. We, we, we read even more than this, we, that Jesus gave an outward expression to his feelings that he wept. Jesus wept. Now Jesus knew perfectly well that the sorrow of the family of Bethany would soon be turned into joy. He had that providential foreknowledge. And yet, that Lazarus in a few minutes would be restored to his sisters. Restored to his sisters. But still, Jesus wept. But though he knew all this, Jesus wept. The weeping of Christ here is deeply, very deeply instructive. It shows us that it's not sinful. It's not sinful to sorrow. Weeping and mourning are sadly crying to the flesh and they tear us apart and our flesh and our blood and they make us feel more like a weakness of our, our mortality and our mortal nature. But they are not in themselves wrong. Even the Son of God wept. It shows us that the deep feeling, the deep feeling is not a thing of which we need to be ashamed. For many years, Macho Man was, was a man that didn't show any sympathy, any grief, never wept. But here we see demonstrative of Jesus, the importance of weeping and showing grief. It's not shameful to be cold and, and to be stoic and unmoved in the sight of sorrow is not a sign of grace and Christian character. There is nothing unworthy of a child of God in tears. Even the Son of God could weep. The Son of God could weep. You must, like myself, probably recall the few times in our lives when, when our spouses wept or when our parents 
wept when our parent showed signs of weeping. It is one who can be touched with sympathy for our infirmities, Jesus was. And when we turn to Jesus in the hour of our trouble and pour out our hearts, pour out our hearts before him, he knows what we go through and, and he can show pity. And Jesus is the one who never changes. I'm getting to that particular age when I recall my parents and my grandparents saying that, oh, I just hate change. And the ability to accommodate to change is becoming more difficult. And he's the one who never changes, though. He's the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. We have an advocate with the Father who, when he was upon earth, could weep. Father, this morning as we bow in prayer, let us remember these things in daily life and, and never be ashamed of walking in our Master's footsteps. Let us learn and strive to be men and women of a, of a tender heart and a sympathizing tear and spirit. Let us never be ashamed to weep with them that weep and to rejoice with them that rejoice. Well would it be for the Church of Jesus Christ and the world if there were more Christians of this stamp and this character. The church would be far more beautiful and, and the world be, would be far more happy. And as we close, Lord, may we close in this prayer of togetherness. Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, as I reach out to you, you reach out to me. Help me to be more caring. Kind and sympathetic. To weep as Jesus wept. Forgive my, my sins. Come into my heart and life. Help me to exemplify the character of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we close this morning, as we wait upon you, for the offertory, would you turn in your bulletins to the offertory prayer and join with me in this prayer. Generous, giving God, the gifts we present this day are supposed to represent the best of our discipleship. Why then do we hide what we give? And why do we worry about who might know? Grant us the boldness we need to move out of the dark and proclaim our decision to be Christ's disciples to all. To shout it from the rooftops. May we speak to those who know, and even to strangers, of the love of Jesus without fear. May the way we live our lives be a proclamation of our decision to follow Christ. In his holy name we pray. Amen. There is a balm of healing in Gilead. Our purple hymnals number 375. 375, there is a balm in Gilead.
stand for the doxology. now as we go forth, we pray, O Lord, that you grant that all who worship within my voice may present their bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto thee, and that they may realize that they themselves are temples of the Holy Spirit wherein thou dwellest. For regard, O Lord, the supplication of thy servants and worshipers by television and radio and other means of communication and, and grant that the word which shall be read and preached may have such an acceptance that it may never be spoken in vain. Grant also that the people may have grace to hear and receive what shall be delivered out of thy most holy word as a means of their salvation that in all their words and works and deeds they may seek the glory and the increase thy kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, let's close by singing the Spirit of the Living God in our purple number 393.